Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hello all of you, it's part two of Scott Gemmell in the big interview, I'm Graham. Part one was all about the men who helped make Scott, his father Archie, yes, the guy who scored that famous 1978 World Cup goal, and the mighty Brian Clough, a man of very mixed personality, whose decline in later life was directly opposed to his brilliance throughout the majority of his life and career. Scott spoke about how he would never have had the time to develop without that famous surname, the Gemmel surname. But the decisions he's made have all been his. They've been distinct. And I can't think of many footballers who have put quite as much thought into the shape of their career after the time comes to stop playing. He did extraordinary things. For Scott, that involved rest and relaxation, a sabbatical, as we all do, in New York City. How about that? Before Pep Guardiola made such things de rigueur, yeah, he went to New York for a chill-out time too. And then Scott had an even longer stop, and you're going to hear this now, in my current hometown of Barcelona, where he spent time observing the training methods around Espanyol, as well as at the new training ground for Barcelona out by the airport. This is a man who, when he has an idea, he gets on with it and does it and betters himself. These preparations have formed the way that Scott coaches with the setup of the Scotland national team, where he has influenced the majority of the footballers who now make up Steve Clark's first 11 and the rest of his squad. Scott is actually in charge of the under-21s, and he's been a major influence in the career of the exciting, talented group, which currently start to make it look as if Scotland will qualify repeatedly for tournaments. I'm fascinated to see where his talent will take him next, 
But for the moment, I'll hand over to Scott Kimmel to describe his own development and how he sees football. You'll enjoy this. So Barcelona was very different. You know, again, maybe people know, I don't know if they do or not. But when I met you, you explained to me that again. It wasn't a whim, but it was, it was unpaid. It mm. was completely of your own volition. And the principal idea was to, to, to develop, to, to, to see things. That again, with the humility that you talked about, I think right at the beginning of the interview, I, I said to you at the time, I was, I was pretty sure that given your career, never mind your dad, given your career and your authenticity of desire to learn, that Barcelona might have been helpful to you. So you need to explain to the listener what the concept about moving to Barcelona was and, and also what it was like. Yeah, I think it would be easy for somebody to see my transition from player to coach and think that there was a plan. I have to be honest and say there wasn't. And that I was full of regret. I, I knew retirement was coming, of course, like everybody does, but I hadn't prepared for it well enough. Um, and there are reasons for that. Um, again, I'm honest enough to say that transition, I questioned whether I had the personality to be, go, to be a head coach, I, but I was wrong to think that because I, what I needed was coach education. Um, I needed to, to learn how to be... I had, I had the football knowledge, of course, but I didn't have the leadership and management skills and that's what I got through coach education and mm. you know I, I absolutely transformed me the way I the, that I could apply that to football and take things from business and, and apply it to football in terms of leadership management influencing people emotional intelligence I, I loved all that and that's that really gave me the belief that I could be a head coach and have and be successful and I'm still trying to improve and do that every day. Um, going back to your point regarding Barcelona, the first big decision I made, and it was, again, with no plan, it, it was just a feeling, was to move to Glasgow. I, I had always... I was born in Scotland, but raised in England. I'd, I loved Glasgow and Scotland, and I had an opportunity to, to say to Ruth, my wife, let's go and live in, in Glasgow I need to go to the games, the youth team games, the reserve games, the first team games. Something was just telling me I needed to go and see the football and see if I could picture my... I'm very... I'm sure we all are. I'm very... But I'm very fussy where I can see myself working. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I understand I'm very lucky that some people can't do that. They've got... There's a need to go and just... They can't... They just need to get on with it and pay the bills. I understand that that period of my life... I was very fortunate that I could pick and choose. But something just told me to go to Glasgow. I'd done my A licence with the Scottish FA down at Largs, like hundreds of thousands of other people. And we literally moved to Glasgow on the Thursday. And on the Saturday, as my plan was, I, I picked a youth team game to go to. And I picked a St Mern home game at a place called St Anthony's literally just on the outskirts of Glasgow as you're heading towards Paisley. And the first person that I bumped into was Billy Stock, who, yeah. was, who was my assessor on the A-licence. At Largs. At Largs. Mighty dandy as well. Thanks, Billy. And 
he obviously, thankfully, he recognised me and kind of was surprised to see me. He said, what are you doing? I was honest. I said, I've just moved with my wife. We've rented an apartment in the West End. I'm going to go and watch all the games, youth team first uh, reserves. I need to just see what's happening. And Billy unbelievably said, I'm going to Hungary with the under-17s next week. Why don't you come with us? Now, so so it was just an incredible moment and opportunity. As it turns out, I didn't go because my disclosure didn't come through. You have to be disclosed to travel with the youth teams. Luckily for me, they had another trip four weeks later. The disclosure was through and I started to work with Billy. No, I wasn't getting paid. Billy was incredible with me in terms of giving me that opportunity just to, to be there, to see it, to experience it, to find my feet to not be out my comfort zone. Um, I was Then I started to go into, I got the opportunity through Billy again to, to go onto the pro license with the Scottish FA. During that period, I'd already been in Scotland for about a year, going to games. I was helping Billy with the under-17s. I was going to watch, for example, if Scotland's under-17s or under-19s got drew against Croatia, I would go to Zagreb and do a report for Billy on the under-19s. I wasn't getting paid for it. I was doing that myself. But I was happy to do it because I knew it was developing me, giving me that experience, testing me. Billy was very grateful, but I think he was a little bit embarrassed that he couldn't pay me. Um, But I didn't want him to feel like that but anyway Billy ended up helping me get on the pro license almost as a thank you for helping him do things like that but when I started to go on the pro license I knew I needed to do more I was starting I was learning so much about leadership and management I had the I started to have the belief and the 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 hunger more and more so Ruth and I I said to Ruth I want to go to Barcelona. We need, and let's just go to Barcelona. I'm not quite sure why, how. Let's just do it. And I used to just go to watch Barcelona B team train every day in the morning, as you know where it is, get the tram to the end of the line, <laughs> walk down to the training grounds. And I should add, I didn't have access to the training ground at this point. Uh, you could at night. You yeah. could just sneak in. When and watch. the families and yeah, the kids come yeah, in. Yeah. You, and at weekends, you could sneak in to watch games. Mm-hmm. But I never got to see the first team train because that was obviously private and enclosed. Was that Luis Enrique or mm. Tito? Um, Luis Enrique and Tito as well, the uh, period. But the, the B team was um, Eusebio... Yeah, Sacristan. Sacristan. And, but I could see the B team train from the edge, from the perimeter. You know, it wasn't enclosed. So I stood and watched B team train every day. And there was sometimes I would go and obviously they wouldn't be training. A lot of the time, as you know, you can go into the local papers and even with my rubbish Spanish, I could work mm. out the training the schedule. schedule yeah. um, but, and then I would go back. I would go down to the min, behind the, the Camp Nou to the mini stadium and watch the, the activity for the younger age groups after school, which again I found unbelievable. That just seeing that inside. Just about, so behind the mini stadium, there's those elevated pictures yep. where Messi began, yep. really. Yep. Yeah. And just watching how they train the young the young players, and then I would go to watch the B team at the weekend and the youth teams at the different age levels at the weekend as well. I also got access to to Espanol, which was amazing because uh, obviously Rizzo 
Pochettino was the manager. That again was incredible. I for part of your pro license, you have to do a club visit. Yeah, it's part of the criteria. Because I was living in Barcelona, I thought I'm just going to chance it with Espanol. Mm. And I I guessed the sporting director Ramon Planes's email address. And you guessed it. I guessed it. I went onto the club website and saw that all the the email addresses ended in the same way. So I just guessed. I think it I was. Like that. And I used Google Translate to say, "My name's Scott. I'm helping with the Scotland whatever under 17s, under 19s. I'm doing my pro license. I'm living in Barcelona. Can I come and do my club visit Espanol?" He emailed me back the next day. Said, "Come in." Wow. It was it was incredible. This, this is the Raman Planners, who has just left Barcelona, is a candidate for the Newcastle DOF job. This is the Raman Planners who ensured that Barcelona got Pedri right. um, from Las Palmas yeah. and, and was quickest to see him, was the most persuasive about the deal, and therefore whose name is going to carry weight in Spanish football circles forever well, and ever. He was amazing. He, he introduced me to one of his staff, and normally if you do a club visit for the pro license it's possibly two, three, four days because I lived in Barcelona they just gave me access to go to the, to the club as much as I wanted which was incredible gesture and I got to see of course the academy the first team and something else I found really interesting was obviously during that period uh, Pochettino went to Southampton and the first thing he did, if you can remember, was he brought Southampton to Barcelona and they trained at the Olympic Stadium. In Mondeau, yeah. And I, I saw all those sessions. <laughs> I was that guy. I couldn't get in. I got chased out. I remember biking down to the Olympic Stadium on my bike. Wait, wait, wait. Biking down. There's, there's an up bit as well because yeah. it's on a hill. So yeah. you can say biking down if you want. But No, but I was listening to my music on my Walkman, so that was fine. Um, but I, that was a real big moment. So where did you stand? At the little arch at the far end where yeah. you can see in? Yeah, <laughs> I did. But it was, it was a real big moment for me because I, I knew it was a key moment for the new manager. But obviously, he's got his new team in the Premier League. He's taken them to Barcelona. I wanted to see those sessions because I knew he was going to really try to show and influence the because he's obviously preparing for the game in the next week and he needs to quickly get across how he wants the team to play and I knew they were going to be really key sessions and I saw them and I was so pleased that I saw them because um, it get, again it just gave me real confidence and belief because he was working in a way that I would have predicted and that I would, would have worked to and that really just again fueled me in terms of Motivation and I'm at that level. Even ambition. if I'm not doing it yet, that, that, just, I've got the same. And just I just knew that I was on the doing the right things, and and that there's so much obviously that goes into the pot to influence players and to get results. But I knew that I was working in the right way, and that that again was a real something that really has stayed with me that that particular period. But Barcelona and going was an unbelievable decision. I understand not everybody can do it. I'm lucky that I could do it financially. I'm, it was also before I had children. Everything fitted into place. It was not planned, but it was a big insight. And, you know, not just from everything in terms of how Barcelona influenced the young players, that how they construct the sessions, how they deliver their sessions. Same for the B team, game-related practices, you know, 
even though I couldn't hear everything the coach was saying or understand everything the coach was saying, I could see the game-related practices and the objectives of the sessions and just really seeing that. And then the bigger thing regarding the culture and the environment and the, the demand and factoring in, obviously, sports science into the session. Things that I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. as a player. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a whole new level. Um, did Antonio know you were an ex-footballer? He, I think I did tell him eventually. He, he must have thought I was stranger than most people think I am, actually, because, you know, where I was disappearing to every morning <laughs> yeah, and coming right. back. And, yeah, I did, have, I did tell him eventually, and, but it didn't seem to ish, ish. impress him very much. <laughs> and then we, I've obviously been back since and been gone to say hello to him, and he knows I coached the under-21s, and he's not easily impressed. <laughs> <laughs> You see, uh, you were lucky to be in that situation without kids because when we moved to Barcelona, Steve Archibald recommended that we go to Kensington School, which is up near Pedralbas, but a little bit further up towards kind of higher up. And we went there, and because I was a freelance, um, I was nicking about of the morning, and um, you'd, I'd drop uh, a car of my oldest daughter off, and you know, if she ever had to come home at lunchtime, I would, I'd easily pick her up, and I'd be there to, pick her up at four o'clock and the parents would, would sort of ask and then the teachers would ask like, what does your dad do? And Gareth said, well, nothing really. <laughs> so they all for a good chunk thought I was some sort of criminal on the, you know, on the lamb a little bit and they genuinely, the word spread, I mean, in some aspects they weren't far wrong but in the way that they thought it wasn't right because if you're not, if you're in Barcelona and you're sort of dadding about in shorts and a baseball cap or whatever, people will draw their conclusions. So maybe Antonio initially drew similar conclusions, I don't know. Viva Pedralbas. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to draw to a climax by, by telling you, as I told you before, that we've got these people, we call called socios, because your time in Spanish football, you'll, you'll remember the socios are the ones that are members of yeah. the club. So our socios have been with us right since we began. We've got two questions in, one from David Henry. Hi, Graham. I'd like to ask Scott if the current crop of senior Scotland players is down to changes in development that we've all spoken about for years, 
or just a bit of chance that they've all come through within a short space of time together. And also, if there's any players not currently in the setup that have half a chance of breaking through, then Andrew Anderson asked, Hi, Graham, surely you have to ask Scott about train spotting? No, Andrew, I'm not going to. <laughs> More seriously, although there was good music in that film. There was. More seriously, I'd been interested in his views on the development of young players in Scotland. My nephew was in the books of Hibs from ages 10 to 15, and I saw him playing against Billy Gilmore. Rangers, to their credit, had two wee ball-playing midfielders at the time, but they were very much the exception. Most teams seemed to prioritise size over technique. I was not generally impressed with what I saw, the level of coaching. I asked Scott what one or two things would make the biggest impact in terms of improvement at youth level. Thanks, Andrew Anderson from Edinburgh. With the time that we've got remaining, I don't think you can get to all of that, mm. but I would like to know two specific things. I think, and I think this is more than jungle drums beating an urban myth, I think that you've been inspired by Billy Gilmore and I think you've helped shape some of what we're seeing in Billy Gilmore because you've had him as a pupil at a couple of different levels. Um, And the general point about development, like, for example, I've got an amazing stat here about the... Holland must hate you. You, I can imagine you're going to get a job in the edit of the because if you look at your record against Holland, you've tormented them. But on the subject of development, um, Tuesday 5th December 2017, Scotland 2, Netherlands uh, nil. Fulton Suter, Ralston, Taylor, McKenna, Wilson, Thomas, Morgan, Malin, Cadden, Burke, plus subs, manager Scott Gemmell, Hollandar, Drummel, Van Drongelen, Jerry St. Just, Ovejan, Denzel Dumfries, Hustil, Pablo Rosario, Bart Ramasalar, Frankie de Jong, yeah. Stephen Bergvine, and further down, Usama Idrissi, who spent a lot of time at Sevilla. Um, I look at that Netherlands side from 2017 that you, you beat, and you've beaten that Netherlands group again, 2-1. Mm. They've got these, these players I've read out now have got 197 UEFA appearances, Europa League, Conference, less so, and Champions League between them. Your group has got 64 in the subsequent, what's September 2017, four years. So something really dramatic has happened in terms of your group's exposure to elite European football and the Dutch groups, and Frankie de Jong's a 90 million euro, euro player. So, one, Billy Gilmore. Two, the development of Scottish young talent. Yeah, I think Billy, the one thing we did for him was give him the opportunity. I think a big thing, and I'm I'm sure Billy has spoken about it in some interviews, we took him to the Toulon tournament uh, really ahead of schedule by most people's standards, not by his. He obviously put himself in that position where it, it was an easy decision to take him. But that was a big thing for him to go and play at that level ahead of schedule. But what he did was he confirmed his talent at that tournament, which I think is what the player needs to do. So I think the Billy one is what we gave him was the opportunity. Obviously, in terms of the development, that that is the club and the player without doubt and, and everything that goes into the mix there, even off the pitch with his family and his agent and stuff. You know, everybody deserves credit there. But what what we did as an association was give him that opportunity to go and confirm his talent at a higher level. And I can remember, I think I'm 90% sure that was the Toulon tournament where Frank Lampard was sitting watching 
the tournament. I think he was there with the English FA doing his pro licence. So you, hopefully that opportunity at that level really helped Billy in that regard, just to really confirm his talent. He was ahead of schedule for, in terms of the, the age profile of somebody who'd been taken to the tournament. What age gap might there have been? Would he have been Yeah, I think 16? He, I think he was 16, possibly 17. Uh, and the tournament was an under-23 tournament because historically Toulon was under, 21s. Yeah. But now, because of the worldwide teams from the other side of the world are preparing Olympic teams, so it's... It's uh, meant to feed into that yeah, preparation. So yeah. they, they expanded it to 23. So, so, so there could have been a very significant age gap between him and yeah. the majority, if not all, of his opponents. Yeah. But also, would he have shared, at that stage, would he have shared some of the difficulties you did about slenderness and size in, in terms yeah. of you'd advanced them, which is the, the, the great Ajax Cruyff way over the years, mm. put, if they could put them out of their, yeah. their security zone. And he, he wouldn't necessarily have been talent-wise, yes, but physically? Yeah, physically he was possibly at a disadvantage, but his speed of thought and his brain and his mentality were unquestionably ahead of of you know there's no comparison in that in that regards his belief and ambition to become one of the best players if not the best player in the world he will tell you that himself and that as a set ambition yeah good we, we, we don't do that as a nation. Yeah, I agree. It's, That's not a particularly Scottish trait. It's not. We think we're born the best in the world, but we don't actually make any effort to try and go and get there, right? No, it's, it's usually knocked out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you're looking at what you... When you take into too long, what are you looking for in his personality as well as how he plays? Yeah, you absolutely. You want to see that he can handle it, that he doesn't get too high when he does well which he did and also I don't think he played the first game he probably knowing Billy would have been expecting to play the first game um, and also is to give him that experience of tournament football you know I think I'm right in saying Billy's ref- obviously just had a successful Euros in the summer there yeah. and he used Toulon as a reference you know it's proper tournament football with an extended period um of course, staying in nice hotels and everything's the best of the best. But it is still a big thing to deal with. To you know, We're talking, I think the Toulon tournament was over 20 days. And not just the group games, obviously, then going on to play the, the, the knockout phase as well. So it's real invaluable experience. And playing, playing against the very best, not just in Europe, but players from Asia and South America as well. So, what, dealing with boredom? or finding things to do with your day when you're not training or in video sessions, uh, concentrating, uh, 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 preparing yourself mentally for the next task if you do or don't know much about your opponent group, these sort of things, or what? Yeah, the off-the-field off things, just in that, that ability to rest and then train at the correct speeds, a lot of, a lot of players really struggle to, you know, to actually shut down and rest and then switch on. Um, and you know, maybe you're not training at the, the normal time you train with your club. You, and obviously then the, the ability to actually play 
with intent and in how the team's been prepared to play. You know, it might and it might be different from what the player wants or what the player's used to at his club. There's different objectives, different details tactically within the game, uh, and then just just being able to really handle the whole experience uh, and also the scrutiny that comes with that for somebody like Billy. I looked at um, a game he played for you, um, which was in. November 2020 and he sent off against Croatia in a 2-2 draw where you come back from yeah. 2-0 down to 2-2 and that means he misses the next game which you lose and that's the game where we could have qualified yeah it, it, did you have a chat with him about that? did it, it make a difference that he wasn't there? of course it, ma- it made a difference um, and Billy was harshly red carded in you know I believe what Billy said he he did swear, but he didn't swear directly at the referee. He was he was um, frustrated with himself. He he knew he'd committed a foul, but you know, speaking about his size, he was being physical and trying to be strong because he was playing against the bigger opponent, and he he was he was the one who was dominating a bigger opponent because he had the right mentality. And the referee gave a free kick, and he swore, but it was in frustration at himself. Not directly at the referee, but the director. The these referee. are, given that we, we believe in these are just then, these are further learning experiences. Exactly, yeah. As much as you'd have liked him there as a coach yeah. in Greece, the, he's sitting there going, I should be there, I should yeah. be, I should be out there. Yeah. Unfairly treated, but yeah. there's also, a lot of that over your career, isn't there? And, and the, the difference between referees at UEFA level, yeah. which obviously will be good for him now, what, playing at, with the senior team. On, on, on the subject of development, it's tough in a, in a short resume, but what would help Scotland's development of the talent that are coming through now? Because there seems to have been a change in the type of player again, mm. whereby more and more there are footballers who either have watched continental football um, on television, which we didn't have the chance to do much, or who've been taught by coaches who might have some either experience of continental football or maybe have had experience of working with high-level continental coaches or whatever in England and brought it back to school. Whatever it is, there's, there's a change in the, in the flow and types of footballers that are playing professionally in the Premier League, maybe in the first league down and playing for you. And also it feels like um, quite a lot, no, it doesn't feel like, quite a lot more young Scots are going and playing in yeah. France yeah. and in Italy and, and you've, you've picked up one particular athletic Baba who's a Spaniard really mm. but Scottish by, yeah. by race and, and so on what would, what would if you could do that what two or three things would most help that developmental flow in my opinion the games programme has to be improved the 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 academy program goes up to 18 and then there is a there is a gap from 18 to 21 or 18 to 18 to first team um, and the the games program is not good enough so the the most crucial part of the players development they're playing less games than they were at the age of 14 15 16 17 and 18 and so that needs to be addressed B teams obviously is very popular in Europe um, in Spain as you know and is just absolutely established pathway and games programme for the very 
best players at the top clubs to go through that way. And I think there is resistance to that in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't understand that, I have to yeah. say. Um, but there's no doubt, in my opinion, that that system does work. Um, mm. And if there is a resistance to have the B teams in Scotland, then there needs to be a different... Um, Find a way around the actual objections, but meet the same objectives. For yeah, uh, and whether that's, whether that's with a different... Is it uh, raising the, the, the under-18 league and raising it to under-19? The gap between is too big. and it need, There's so many players that are training with the first team but not playing with the first team, the in-betweeners, and they're actually not playing enough football. So that the games programme, and you could also apply that with the national youth teams as well. The national youth teams need to play more games, need to play more tournaments. We, we had to... Um, Decline our after two years of doing well at Toulon, we had to decline our invitation to Toulon because we couldn't afford to go. Sadly, the moment we declined our invitation, the Republic of Ireland replaced us at Toulon. That shows that the Republic of Ireland have got bigger investment, bigger budget. So, that is something again that the Scottish Ray really need to be careful of. But going back to the, to the club um, scenario with the development of their players there definitely has to be um, a revision of the games programme and that, that gap between finishing the academy and getting into the first team. And whether it's different rules for loan players and strategic loans, I think a lot of the clubs in Scotland outside of the top four or five teams where I understand there's a, a real pressure and expectation from the fan base to win games and win trophies... I personally think a lot of the other clubs should be should have a more specific business model where they can use the development of young players to help, to, to make money to help them financially the, because they they are the clubs that can say do you know what okay we might not win as many games as we want this season but I tell you what we're going to do these young players are going to stay in the team um, because. And they've got a proper objective and business model where they know after one year or two years, these young players will have 50 games, 100 games, and all of a sudden their pedigree and CV will be sellable. And I think, I think a lot of the clubs are really missing a trick um, just in terms of their focus and uh, adjusting and their, their objective into, and turning that opportunity that they've got to give the opportunity and actually make it into a business model. It's a really clear and practical answer, um, which is something that is at a premium in football, where most people obfuscate and, and then don't tell the truth. Um, Scott, that's been an hour and a half well spent. It's been a life and a career well spent. I'd really like the next time that we do this, because I'd like to repeat it when you're in charge of Scotland's national team, PSV Eindhoven, yeah. I don't know, um, Derby County riding high in the, <laughs> in the Premier League, whichever it might be, because as much as I'm glad that Scotland's under-21 games are in your hands at the moment, they're in good hands, I see bigger things coming. and uh, I'm excited about that. This has been um, absolutely fantastic. Thank you for being a guest on The Big Interview. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage, 
Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here end of the lesson.